blossoming, blossoming moments. Welcome everyone to Today I'm Alive. I'm your host, Margaret Abedin. It is my delight to introduce you, Brenda Dipsey. Brenda is a best-selling author of two books, Voices of Hope and Voices of Courage. She's also a master coach speaker, an award-winning entrepreneur. I met Brenda a few months ago and the rapper between us was like an explosion. My gut feelings knew she was going to be on Today I'm Alive, especially when she told me that she was a survivor of homelessness with four children after her abusive marriage broke down. Brenda has risen like a phoenix with strength, self-belief and resilience. She described herself as an action woman, visionary leader and change maker. Not stopping there, She's also the CEO and founder of Book Brilliance Publishing. Brenda's mission is to help other women ra raise their voices with their own stories. I am one of those women who are using her services to publish my second book. Oh, Brenda, I am so, so overwhelmed excited to have you join us. Welcome. Thanks very much, Margaret, yes. for having me here today and inviting me along. I love it. And it's all about story. You're right. It's about sharing our stories and leaders tell their story and invite others to share their story too. That is the essence of spiritual SQ. Oh, fantastic. Yes, Brenda, you know, I have a tingling, tingling feeling because just as you're saying, I'm so, so excited and looking forward to hearing your story, such an inspiring story from abused, homelessness, to an award-winning entrepreneur. Wow, wow. So just carry on. If you want to tell us a bit about your personal life, how you got there to be here today, it is absolutely magnificent. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Um, happy for you to interrupt me if you've got a burning question. So I might as well start at the very beginning. So I'm born uh, in a very poor part of um, Scotland, just outside Glasgow in Clydebank. And I was, I was born in a six foot by six foot hole in the wall. We, my parents had nothing, but we had love, we had some warmth. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time we were lucky to have food in our tummy. And, and that love absolutely has been the catalyst to developing who I am, as well as all the challenges and the adversity and the darkness along the way. Because, like you said, it's the phoenix rising and Voices of Courage has that picture of a phoenix rising on it. And it's not what happens to us that's important. It's what we choose to do. It's our response. So I went on, went to school, loved life. From an age of five and six, I had this propensity to help and support black children in Africa. Wow. Um, I think it was the missionary work from the Catholic school that I went to. Mm -hmm. And I felt I can do something to help these children. They would no clothes, they would no shoes, they would no food. But I could do something. So as a five and six-year-old, I gave my one penny a day, every oh. day, to help the missionaries. And to this day, I still have all the little certificates that I gained by oh. donating my money. So actually, that helped me as well, because I loved all these lovely pictures of these children that I would get every time I had a filled card. So, and then at the age of 10, the Biafran War was taking place and I was appalled and I thought, I'm going to do something about that. But I didn't know, I'm only a 10-year-old kid from a, a very working class background. What did mm -hmm. I know? 
I didn't have parents who who had the bright ideas that a lot of parents have today. Mm-hmm. But no, I knew my mum went to jumble sales and I thought, well, do you know what? I can I can hold a jumble sale. Whoever's going to do it. I'm a kid. I don't care. Yeah. I'll hold a jumble sale in the street. So I said to my mum, I'm going to raise money from these children and yeah. I'm going to um, re- have a jumble sale. And she says, no, you're not. Now I was a I was a, a very well behaved child and I mm. didn't go against my mother, but there was something in my soul that made me say, No, Mum, you're wrong. I didn't mm. say that to her, but this was my little voice in my head. No, Mum, you're wrong because this is for a greater good than me. I don't know anything about it. I'm a ten year old kid from Clyde Bank. What do I know? Yeah. Wow. I knew it was right. So I went against my mother. I think it's about the only once time in my life I did. And I went round all the houses and said, if you get anything for a jumbo sale, if you get anything uh-huh. for a jumbo sale. And I gathered clothes and bric-a-brac and things like that. So one Saturday morning, I took everything out in the street, laid it all out, and lo and behold, I collected something like £8 and can't remember the number of shillings, 10 yeah. But that amount of money was the equivalent to a week's wages, and I did that in a few hours one Saturday morning. So... I took the money and off I went to the Clyde Bank Post because mm. they had put out, you know, they were raising money for Biafra. And I put that money in and I had a little thing about me in the paper. But oh. because nobody told me to do that. Yes. And that's the essence of Brenda Dempsey. So from a five-year-old child to the 65-year-old woman today, I'm still like that. It oh. is about people and what I can do for others. Wow, what a fantastic story at such a young age, having that sort of passion and that determination. It is so overwhelming to hear how we, you know, like that seed and how we have grown now to that, um, like a tree and bearing the fruits of what you're able now to give and help so many people. But what I would like us to now sort of focus on is when, by getting married, having kids and ended up in an abusive relationship, homelessness, I think the listeners would be so anxious, you know, for what you, where you are now today to learn that. I think that is such a powerful and inspiring story. So could you mm. shine the light on that, um, Brenda? Yeah, absolutely, um, Margaret. So um, as you can tell, I've always been a giver. I'm a very um, community-based person doing things for others. So I did a, a lot of work. I got married very young, at 17. Mm-hmm. I had my first child at 21. So it wasn't a marriage. I didn't have to get married because I was pregnant. Like a lot of young women did in in my generation um no I, I got married because I chose to well I, I'm glad I did because I wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't but anyway so I get in this marriage and not long into the marriage you know there was there was telltale signs but I was too young to to notice these red flags yeah you know and then I had two children in quick succession within 16 months um and I was kind of getting bogged down in motherhood and being a young mother and being the best mother that I could be and being a mother different to my own mother. Not that my mother was a bad mother, but mm. her mother had died when she was a nine-year-old. So she didn't have all this outpouring of love. She didn't know how to express it. And, you know, she was too busy trying to make ends meet. She was too busy trying to put food on the table. But in my generation, I'm blessed. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was going to do all the things my mother hadn't done with me. And I was going to tell my children every day that I loved them. Because these were words that were missing from me. But I still felt love, but I didn't hear it. 
anyway, so the, the marriage just went on and little insidious things started happening, trying to tell me what to think, what to say, what to wear. And I was still, you know, a bit like what's going on. But, you know, it's the slow process over time. There was some physical abuse happening. But I just thought, oh, well, you know, I, I kind of dismissed it um, um, at the time because that's what you did. I was a Catholic. So mm -hmm. I was married and I was married for life. And, uh, you know, I was very religious. Yeah. Yes, I, I really understand a bit when we, yes, I'm a Roman Catholic too, and how we should stay in marriage, you know, if it's a sin and all these sorts of things that were put into us as little kids. So we grew up believing whatever we go through, you know, we have to really endure. So I do really understand when you're saying about Yes, you're in marriage, you've seen all this happening, but yet still you're still there because, you know, you're supposed to be there forever and ever, as as was told to us, and it's a yeah. sin and all this sort of thing. Yeah, so you now there. So when was that first sort of impact? Because how many children you've got, um, Brenda? Could you just um, uh, share four, with us? Four, four children. Okay, fine. And boy, girls, what is our... So I have, two I have two ghettos, mm -hmm. and then I, have, then I have two boys. So I had four children within eight years. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I would say congratulations now because here you are. I would, if I'd met you, then perhaps I might have said something differently. But what I really want to point out is when did you eventually, how many years did you stay there? And when did you eventually said, you know, I've got just got to leave this um, thing because okay. I'm sure it's not just harming you, it's harming the children. When exactly. did you decide? Yes. So, oh, so over time that happened, then I went to university to become a teacher because that had been my lifelong dream since I was five, you know, uh, five, six. And anyway, so um, I was doing a lot of work in school, volunteering because my children were all at school. Uh -huh. I, I was very fortunate to be a stay-at-home mum for 12 years. But again, that was part of the control of me and not being able to get outside the bubble and being financially dependent on a man. Well, it took to my final year of my degree. So this is about 1990, 91, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, things were just getting increasingly horrendous uh, um, within the marriage, um, all around control, abuse in lots of different ways. And um, it was one summer's day, can't remember the exact date, but it was one summer's day leading up towards summer holidays and there was just not a, a my, my ex-husband came home early mm -hmm. and um it, what unfolded that day um I just don't really want to relive yeah. so um because I've left it behind I've forgiven it and it's time to move on but that day was a case of if I don't get out of here today I'll never get out of here alive so oh, that's what I want to say about that and um and then from this whole mindset of being entrapped, being I can't go out, I've got four kids, I've got no money, who's going to go? But the saving grace was I was going to be a teacher and teachers were reasonably paid that I could bring up my own children on my own with a teacher's pay. Yes. That was, you must have... Here's a lesson. You must have the a, a why greater than you in order to achieve it with determination, blinkers on, and no one is going to stop you in your track. So I had to get that degree. Yes. So that summer's day, I left my house, and for the first time, I didn't feel afraid. For the first time, I felt relieved. I yes. felt, wow, 
I'm standing in the street, no money, only the clothes I've got. I cannot go back in that house. I didn't go back in that house. And I just, we didn't even have mobile phones. So I, I must have walked to my friend's house, which would be a couple of miles away. Yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> I just didn't want you to stop, but there's something just popping in me, popping to me to ask that question. Now, where were your children? Where did you, was your children, were you with your children? Or did they stay with the father? How, how did that happen? So, so on that particular day, my children were at school, so I had to get my friend in and we had to go and get them and explain everything. And then there was a whole lot of stuff about having to go and find a house and things. Hmm. But um, but I, I'm such a strong woman Although, you know, it's quite funny, it's a yin and yang, because I was I was weak yet strong. I was vulnerable yet powerful. Yeah. You know? So but I didn't I didn't have that awareness at that age and stage of my life. But I do now. And that's what you need to teach other younger women or, or even women of our own age, you know. Mm -hmm. But um so so therefore I was put in a sheltered house. I had the children, children came with me, mm -hmm. um, because their father refused to leave the marital home, which was their home. Which yes. was a beautiful five-bedroom house. We we were living very comfortably, so we had to go to sheltered housing, and um, you know, so I've been, you know, earning good money, being in a nice position to being homeless with nothing. I had nowhere wow. to go. My children for the first few weeks had to go to different friends' house because who yes. was going to put up a woman with four children? You know, so and none of my family had a house big enough to accommodate me and four kids. So I'm very grateful and thankful to all the people who stepped up and helped me and and friends, um, my children's friends, parents who knew me well, because that's how we rock and rolled. You know, I had to know those parents. They stepped in and helped me. Wow. You know, some of those words, when I listen to some of the words, it's really identifying myself, what I myself have been through. And just as you said, yes. I'm a very strong woman, but yes, very vulnerable, very um, caring. So there were two sides, as you said, you know, yin and yang. And it just makes me feel so like, wow. And that's why I think when we met for the first time, the reflection of each other, it was like, wow, this woman is like walking in my shoes. I am walking yes. in her shoes. That's what I remember, Brenda. And that's why I said, oh, you've just got to be on my show. You've just got to be on Today I'm Alive. So you yeah. really are, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely, you know, and you know that because I don't know about you. I, well, I do know about you. <laughs> I know we don't have conversations with people. We have soul talk. You know, when I talk with people, I talk at a soul level yeah. because I'm coming from that place, that divinity, that divine spark and light is within me. And I didn't say this earlier, Margaret, but um, if I may, one of the things that awakened something bigger and spiritual within me, again, I didn't have the awareness, was the saying in the Bible that says, come on, oh, it always makes me want to cry, come on to me, little children of um, God, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. And that's what I believe. We are all divine children. We are children of God. Whether you're six months, 60, 26, 106, we are all children. And the people who have that happiness and peace in their life are those people who connect with that inner child and are not afraid to let that inner child out. Yes. And I believe that with if it's like God has given me the secret to life. 
Oh, and that's wow. what it is. It's that connection to our inner child and being unafraid, being vulnerable, being unstoppable, being weak yet strong, you know, being sad yet happy. We can take ourselves from sadness and make a choice of stepping into joy. And it's that space. And I'm doing a lot of research just now and because this is where I'm heading. It's the space we've got between what's going on and what's next. It's that space where we have a choice, but people don't understand that. Oh, wow. You know, oh my gosh, Brenda. I mean, you are just saying words that's in my heart because, you know, for me to be right now on this platform and have today I'm alive is I'm living inside out. Just as you yes. said, I'm I, I'm serving, serving myself, uh, doing the overwhelm, serving, serving the higher source and sharing the overflow of whatever in me. I'm able to share with others. And this oh. is why, you know, talking with you, it just makes, I mean, my tears, my eyes are just welling with tears. I'm the same. It's, just, <laughs> it's bringing me back a bit to where I have been, to where I am now. So I am so overwhelmed, so happy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how long, how long did y'all stay in the homeless, you know, being homeless, et cetera, to making well, that, that step to where you are? Probably the best part of six months, I would wow. say. And, um, and then eventually... I, I got a council house mm. and I'm not ashamed or anything to say that for 12 months I had to live on benefits because yes. I had no money. I had nothing. And my ex-husband wouldn't give me money, you know, so his children, you know. I thank my friends and my parents, my family from the bottom of my heart because I don't know what I would have done without their support and the support of a beautiful nun at the university. Um, at the teaching college who really understood me and she helped me as as well in in many ways um so for example that, that christmas i had no money so they gave me some money to buy my children presents yeah. for christmas you know the the charity that i received i don't like it's not charity sorry the love <laughs> that i received um was overwhelming and um and I think people like you and I, Margaret, we we overflow and I have an abundance of love because I am love. So I make sure my own cup is full constantly because then I can give it. But, you know, sometimes it does go down and then you just need to take a break and, and, <laughs> and, and replenish. Yes. You know, it's, it's important. But when you get that clarity, that enlightenment, enlightenment you, you get that connection when you work from the inside out, I believe... The journey, the inner journey is the most complicated and most adventurous journey of our lifetime. It's not all these things that go on outside of us. And if we could learn that from an, a younger age, oh my God, this world would be amazing. I oh my gosh, I can double double take on that. I can give you a hundred plus on that because really and truly, that's the major point here. How whatever darkness, whatever we have gone through, if we can see that light and rise above like the phoenix to transform anything and everything that comes in our path, that is where I I call that um being vulnerable, being resilient. Yes. You know, but being very, very honest and true and open to yourself. So here you are sharing these words here with myself and the listeners. It's taking me down a path, Brenda, that I'm so jolly. I'm like I'm like a little child skipping with you on that on that path. Exactly. Because I know exactly. it's so beautiful, so beautiful. So yes, Brenda, now I realize you have you have been through that and now you're coming to this part 
of where now because you're an award entrepreneur you've written um two books which i oh, i have uh, a look four books four, four books oh pardon me well <laughs> well could you just um you know share with myself and the audience yes because i think that's very important you know um we have about you know about 20 more minutes 20 more minutes so keep on going i mean i don't want okay. to stop yeah all right, so we'll come, we'll come on to the book. So so I I, I became a teacher because yeah. that was my, my childhood passion. And then um, within two years of teaching and in the beginning, you don't get a, a full-time job. You do um, temporary work and, you know, substitute teacher and all that kind of thing. But within two years, um, I made an uh, impact and impression on many people within the authority. And I was offered a role in special educational needs. Now, normally you need to have been um, working a minimum of 10 years. You needed to have done postgraduate. But they obviously saw something in me. Um, and I got offered this role. Where I didn't even have an interview, which was other, another thing that was unheard. So the Lord was looking after me. Yeah. And I just stepped into this role, went on to university, did a postgrad and a master's in SEN and um, although I didn't finish my master's because my father died at my dissertation and I never completed it did all the work but just didn't hand it in yeah. so anyway so these are the things that happened but it doesn't matter but anyway um, and then and then so I worked in the field at SEN I left Scotland my, my, my father died in 2004 my mother died the following year they'd been married 53 years oh. so um that was a very sad time and then we had two other close days my great nephew died at 21 yeah. months and my niece's um fiance was killed in a road accident oh. and this all happened within a, a two year one year the next year two years not even two years so it was a very sad time anyway when my mother died, um, I had met my partner that I'm with now, David, and um, uh, and I wasn't looking for a, a relationship or anything. Again, it's one of these God interventions that, you know, these things just happen. And a long story short, after three weeks after my mother died, I moved down to England in Surrey. And I haven't looked back. And had I stayed in Scotland, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing today. I wouldn't yes. be the strong leader that's got an amazing light that helps people bring out their stories and share the stories. I wouldn't be who I was today. So I believe in God's intervention and it was exactly the path that was open to me. So I believe in doors of opportunity. And you'll hear me speak a lot about that, Margaret. Yes, and the doors yes. of opportunity present. Now you can decide whether to walk through or not, but you cannot yes. be afraid. You have to walk through with trust. And knowing that there's something bigger and better for you, it's not your it's not your um role to know it at the time, but it is there for you. Yes, yes, because I believe um you know in life we have multiple choices, multiple choice. I mean there are certain actions we cannot control, but certain things we know we we can. And just as you're yes. saying, the choice that you made to to leave your um ex husband, your children's father, and just go and find that journey that whatever you were set here, your purpose. So could you just give um, us the names of the books that you, you, um, you've you written? Because I sure. think, yeah, yeah. Sure. So uh, um, as I said, it's all about stories and helping other people share stories. So my four books at the moment are all um, anthologies. And oh, um, yeah. I do have another three books that are just about Brenda Dempsey, but <laughs> I will get round to them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so The Voices of Courage, book number one, because courage is the first step to transformation. I love Dr. David Hopkins' work. 
I didn't know this at the time, but I now know it. And I now talk about it consistently. So courage is when we transform our lives. Then yes. voices of hope. Mm. So this was hope. And this is how, it, this was a, a book with women's stories about how they'd gone through adversity, but used the learning, because it's always about the learning, the yes. life lessons. They used the learning to create businesses to help other people. That's right. So yeah. That's what Voices of Hope is about, so that there's always hope. Then during the pandemic, we did Resilient Voices, because we needed to be resilient during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, it's changed me quite considerably, and it's going to take me another year or two to come out the other side um, being the gregarious Brenda and being out in social because we were so stuck in our house in front of computers. Yes. And, um, and then I've got another one launching in June the 17th called Voices of Strength. Wow. Now, that book is just about men. It's oh. men's stories, which Ooh. is different. Very so Voices of Resilience is men and women. The first two books are all women. Yes. Now, why did I choose to do a book about men? Because I'm very privileged as an, a, a publisher, as you know. And I've found this through all the books that I've done. People just want to offload and tell me everything about themselves, their lives, yes. their darkest secrets. Yes. Things that they've never shared before, that they've never voiced before. And voice, for that. all my books have got the name, vo- title voice in it, because voice is our truth. It's yes. our divine truth. It's our purpose. It's why we're here. It's what's important. It's based on values. It's all of that. And that's why in the work that I do, we start with values, as you wow. know. Man. Yes, as yes. Know. Yes. It's so powerful. Just listening to the voices of courage, voices of hope, voices of re- uh, resilience, voices of strength. It all seems to have a, a, a connection, a flow. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. the courage, the hope, you know, it's absolutely magnificent. So yes, now that you you're there, and I know now you have you have your own business, the um book brilliance publishing. What ignited you to start this publishing company, which I am now part of, getting my you know having my second book published. I just want to know what sparked ignited so, you. What sparked was someone in Australia, well, someone in England who was connected to someone in Australia asked me did I want to be part of a book of obviously an anthology and you were to write one page on a topic and yes. um, at first I thought me be an author be in a book <laughs> oh, I'm not a writer and yet I was a writer I wasn't I just hadn't joined the dots again <laughs> you know I'm much more enlightened and aware today you know but you don't know what you don't know that's one of my favorite scenes and anyway so I got invited into that book and I had such a rapport with the, the anthologist and she asked me to write more than one p- page and story. So I did. And I thought, oh, that was quite all right. And, you know, I quite liked all the camaraderie and all the whole thing about being in an anthology. Uh-huh. And then um, no sooner had I done that one, someone from America, I don't know where these people come from, Margaret, but the yeah. Lord sent them to me, you know. And um, uh, I, I was asked to write a, a, a chapter, a 3,000-word chapter on... Leadership, well, now, I was doing a lot of leadership now in my education. And I thought, yes, I believed in holistic leadership. And no one else was talking about holistic leadership, agile leadership, you know, servant leadership, all other styles of leadership, but not holistic. Because I was trained holistically because we're a whole person. We're not a part of a person. So Mm -hmm. we need all of us, you know. So I thought, this is this is a great opportunity for me to start putting my philosophy together you know 
why I was doing this. And it's what I'd been learning through education, through my training as a leader, and through my personal development. So I thought, great. So I did that. That became an international number one best-selling book in three countries. And I thought, oh, I'm now an international best-selling, you know, because <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not an ego person, I'm a spirit. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I, I liked it. And then all of a sudden I thought to myself, I like what these people are doing. I do that. And I think I might even be able to do it better. <laughs> because I will put more energy into the community and all of those aspects. So lo and behold, I just decided, well, what did how did I need to go about writing a book? But I didn't go researching. What happened was all of a sudden, do you know that that it's a law, I can't remember what law it is, it's the law of um I don't know if it's association, I can't remember the name of the law. But anyway, you start seeing things. So all these ads and different things came for publishers. Do you want to write a book? Do you want to do this? And I'm thinking, ooh. So there was one in America. Um, so I phoned them up and I just decided oh, I'll just sign up much as it and I'm like oh my god nah, I'm doing it I'm doing it you know <laughs> so anyway um, I, I, I put an investment but after a period of time it wasn't what I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. and um, it kind of imploded and I was left with 30 women and a book that wasn't going anywhere yeah. and I was like oh my god because I'm driven by integrity of course, I yeah. could. There was no way I could go back to these people and go, uh, the book's not happening because X, Y, and Z, and the, the, they just wanted more and more and more and more money. And I thought, yeah. oh, I'd be doing with that, you know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, lo and behold, um, I knew somebody who knew a publisher, and they says this publisher will help you. So I spoke to the publisher. We hit it off, and lo and behold, I was okay. Can you rescue my book? And we did, and we published it in the UK. Okay. And um, that was fine. And then I got to work with the publisher. I was his, uh, because I was in education, I was his mm. children's book his, uh, expert and specialist. Then I was uh, helping him with his business development and, and things as well. And then I did a second book uh, with him. So we just did two books. So let's oh. do another book. You know, that was about maybe two years later. And let's do another book because I loved it so much. Yes, yes. So so from that on, that's when Book Brilliance uh, Publishing came into access. No, and not yet. Not no? yet. Oh, no, not yeah, yet. Have a, we have a limited yeah. time. I yeah. just sort of... Yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry, that's fine. Okay, yeah. so I'll, I'll, I'll speed it up. So then what happened was lockdown came and the relationship with this said publisher was diminishing and it, it, it just... I don't know what was happening to him. Maybe a midlife crisis. I don't know, but something wasn't right. And I'd been working with his team and um, he just got rid of his team. And I said, look, we'd been talking about, oh, wouldn't it be good if we had our own publishing? Well, I was making these sounds and I was thinking, maybe I'll be a publisher. And I thought, no, it's too much work. I don't want to be a publisher. <laughs> and then, but lo and behold, uh, it came. I was writing someone's book. They wanted me to publish it. More and more people were seeing me wow. as someone to do with books. So I decided um, about March, April um, or in 2020, I'm going to, my, my partner says, oh, why don't you just do the books yourself? Mm-hmm. Thought, oh, I don't know, it's a lot of work. What do I know? But I did know quite a lot. I didn't know everything, but you never do. Yeah. I knew a lot. So I spoke to the ladies, uh, as you know who they are, mm-hmm. and um, Sarah and Olivia, and they, they jumped to work with me because they knew I was a visionary. They knew... Yes. I, a woman of action, uh, and I made things happen. 
Fantastic. Uh, so in June 2020, we launched Book Brilliance Publishing. And the word brilliance was so important to me because brilliance is the divine light within us. It's yes. cognition. It's, 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 it's got a whole connotation of different meanings. So I can see greatness in people. Yes, and I want to bring that greatness out so the brilliant shines. So we make more and more light for others to follow and see and create their own path. Fantastic, fantastic. What a brilliant way of just being brilliant, I have to say. Yes, I mean, we have about uh, three minutes, but I do want to say, what is it that, um, uh, oh, yes, just came out of my my head. Yeah, so the, the awards that you, you won, because I know you've, you've been awarded, could you just, what is it that you actually got the award for, you know, being awarded to? What, what was that? Okay, so I've had several awards in my own right, is Brenda Dempsey for all the leadership work, the work that I do with um, African women and things like that. So in terms of Brenda Dempsey as a leader, I'm recognised. But just last month, we were recognised by the publishing industry in the UK as a, a a leader in diversity and inclusion. Wow, wow. This is a five-year-old's way of life till today. Unfortunately, we didn't win it, but we were up against the big boys like Bloomsbury, who published Harry Potter, for goodness sake. And oh, um, like Bonnie of Books, who've been in business 40 years. And there was Book Brilliance Publishing, not even three year old. And we were sharing the same platform as all these um, incredible publishing houses. So for, for I felt it more, my team, I felt it more for my team because we were being recognised in um, everything that we were doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Congratulations to Book Brilliant Publishing and the team. Right, Brenda, we are coming to the end. I really, really enjoy this something. And Brenda, I truly see you as a woman committed to mastering change for other women. Wow. And I have to say thank you for all that you're doing. And I'm so grateful to be one of them. So before we uh, talk in, I would just like to say when you hear the word today, I'm alive. What is it that you're feeling? Could you just explain that? Um, how do you feel today I'm alive? Well, as I always say to you, um, Margaret, when I feel today I'm alive, I'm uplifted, I'm joyful, and I'm spreading that light for others to see what's possible from being born in a six foot by six foot hole in the wall. Wow, wow. Well, I have to say again, Brenda, thank you. Thank you very much for being on Today I'm Alive. I'm sure a lot of listeners, you know, will feel so energized to hear where you have been to where you are right now. And this is what it's all about. Today we're alive. We rise like the feeling, whatever trauma we have gone through, whatever darkness, how we can really help others. So thank you, Brenda. You're welcome. Thank you, Margaret, for uh, inviting me on Today I'm uh, Alive. I'm your host, Margaret Aberdeen. Tune in next week for another rocketing episode of Today I'm Alive. Share with your friends and family and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. To hire me for talks and events, please email me at info at margaretaberdeen.com. Thanks for listening. Today I'm alive. Today I'm alive. And I'm feeling good.